It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. You are Locked On Magic, your daily podcast on the Orlando Magic. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And you are indeed Locked On Magic. Today is August 21st, 2019. My name is Philip ross I'm the expert and site editor over at orlandomagicdaily.com. You, of course, follow me on Twitter at philiprr underscore omd. On today's episode of Locked On Magic, we'll talk about uh, some of the early predictions going around about the Orlando Magic and, and what they tell us about what this team can do and why maybe we should hit pause on some of those early predictions. We'll talk about all that coming up on today's episode of Lockdown Magic. But before we do any of that, I do want to remind you all that you can check out all the great podcasts on the Lockdown Podcast Network by searching on iTunes for Lockdown and the team you're looking for. Just like there's a podcast covering the Orlando Magic with excruciating detail, there's a podcast covering every single team in the NBA with the same level of care and detail that you would find here on Lockdown Magic. Any team in the NBA you want the lowdown on, you can get it from a local expert who knows their team just like I know the Orlando Magic. You can also check out our other great podcasts, whether it's, lock, whether it's Locked On NFL, Locked On Fantasy Football, uh, Locked On Fantasy Basketball, Locked On NBA, really any, any team in the NFL, any team in the NBA, plus a growing number of MLB and college teams too are all covered on the Locked On Podcast Network. Download them wherever you download podcasts today. Check them all out. The Locked On Podcast Network, it's your team every day. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Last week, ESPN released their first their first quasi-predictions of the year. Kevin Pelton working with their real plus-minus statistic, a stat that, yes, does have some of its flaws and you know maybe isn't something we should believe completely, but did release something interesting. According to real plus-minus, that, that metric that, that ESPN uses and created, the Orlando Magic would finish fourth in the Eastern Conference. Fourth. By far, this is the highest prediction that anyone seems to be giving the Orlando Magic. And while not a lot is explained about how this would happen, it's still a fascinating thing to think about. It's still a a scenario that seems so wild and, and, and a little crazy, to be honest. 
But it is something that now seems to be well within the realm of possibility. And the write-up describing why the Magic would finish in fourth, Kevin Pelton touts the Magic's defense, especially their their defense on three-pointers, which was pretty good last year. He also touts the the signing of Alfred Camino, who, who rates really well in that metric, and Nikola Vucevic, who also rates really well in that metric. But otherwise, it's not particularly clear what would cause the Magic to go from 42 to 47 wins, as, as that metric seems to suggest. There are plenty of other predictions out there on the web. There's one that I think has the Magic in sixth. There's one, uh, 538's Carmelo ratings have the Magic finishing eighth, but with the sixth best chance of making the playoffs in the Eastern Conference. It's, it's probably still a bit early to pinpoint exactly where the Magic will end up. But it is interesting, at the very least, that someone would have the Magic this high. That someone would have the Magic playing at that high of a level. For most of us, I think, with the Magic bringing back much of the same roster, I think the general thought and the general prediction is that the Magic will finish comfortably, but about where they were last year. You know, maybe a slight improvement. And as I've mentioned before, the leap that the Magic are trying to take from, say, 42 wins to 47 to 50 wins is probably the toughest leap leap any team has to make. It's not easy. It's easier to go from 35 to 40 wins and, and make the playoffs than it is to go from a 40-win team into a perennial team to a contending team. But again, it happens quickly when it does. And inevitably, there's always one team that makes that kind of a leap. I'm thinking Milwaukee last year. I'm thinking Indiana the year before. Someone who gets that sort of star player that puts them over the top. The Magic last year were certainly a team like that. But now we're talking about going from a playoff team to a contending team. And it's probably still a bit early to say that this Magic team is ready to contend on a serious level. As I mentioned in the podcast last week when I kind of started to handicap the Eastern Conference, I do think the Magic are comfortably in the playoff conversation. I think even, uh, you know, barring severe injury, even under the Magic's worst-case scenarios, they are in the playoff conversation. I think they are that good. I don't see them slipping into the Atlanta-Chicago tier of teams that are knocking on the door but not quite there. This is a playoff team, and and, and we should always hold them to that standard, that they will make the playoffs next year. But to take that leap up to fourth, to home court advantage, that would be achieving a huge goal for this team, I think. And I think this team does expect it to compete Seriously, for, for at least home court advantage at, at a bare minimum, if not, you know, outright believing they can win the whole East. Now, maybe that, that's a little maybe that's a little far-fetched. So how do the Magic get there? Certainly it would take a sustained effort like they had at the end of last season. I think that while I, I think that while the Magic's 22-9 finish was real. That kind of urgency and fo- and hyper focus that they had during that run probably doesn't work for 82 games. I think that the Magic were in a sprint at that point. And as as is often said, 
the NBA schedule is a marathon, not a sprint. And so I think there's a there's the potential for a little bit of, you know, I think that the team now understands what it takes to get there. I think that, you know, that will help them get off to a better start, which, you know, as I mentioned, is a pretty big deal for this team, I think. I think they, with, especially with the way the schedule sets up, they have to get off to a good start. So I think it, I think that there's an understanding of what they have to do that will help them, but at the same time, it's hard to see where all the wins are going to come from unless an Aaron Gordon takes a huge step forward, and I think we'll talk about him later on this week, or uh, Jonathan Isaac takes a huge step forward, or a Markel Fultz takes a huge step forward. I don't see how the Magic make that big leap without going more variables. With, I mean, I think, I think there's a lot of assumptions that are getting made. Now, Orlando's defense is going to keep them in this conversation. Orlando's defense should, if they play at the same level they did last year, should keep them competitive in most games. And so, is it unrealistic to see the Magic crack the top four and be that team that takes that growth? They've got the young guys that are primed to make that leap to get there. They have a core, they have a, a, a continuity that could help them reach that level. That top four could be very tough to crack, but those teams have their flaws too. Boston lacks size. Brooklyn is bringing you know Kyrie Irving in, who's you know while very very good, a little bit combustible. It, it seems like. Toronto's obviously lost Kawhi Leonard and, and they'll have to find someone to take over kind of those alpha minutes. Outside of Milwaukee and Philadelphia, you know, everything else seems up for grabs. I mean, obviously, I, I, as I mentioned last, last last week, I would put Boston in a tier right below them. So, you know, I don't think it's all completely up for grabs. But Orlando should feel like if all the pieces if all the development come together then yes this is achievable so i don't want to dissuade anyone from thinking that yes it is possible orlando takes this kind of a leap they are young their best player nikola vucevic is in his prime key players like evan fournier and terence ross are entering their primes if not in their primes and the wild cards, of course, being Aaron Gordon, Jonathan Isaac, Markel Fultz, and Muhammad Bamba, seeing what they can give you and seeing if they can take you up to another level is really the argument of the season. This season is about seeing whether this young group can develop into something. Now, the real plus-minus statistic isn't basing that on that on this. Because Mohamed Bamba rated as one of the worst RPM players in the league. Um, you know, Nikola Vucevic was one of the best. Uh, Alfred Gaminu was really good in, the, in that metric. So, it's hard for me to believe ESPN's predictions on their face. I'm not saying that they're not real. I'm not saying that, that, that it's not possible. But it's not the most likely scenario. I would still argue the most likely scenario for the Magic is they can finish as a sixth seed. You know, fighting maybe for five, fighting for home court advantage, but probably falling a little bit short. Realistically, this is a to me, this is a surefire playoff team, and it would take disaster for them to not be in that playoff conversation. 
but it would be impossible to recognize all the potential, which there is plenty. It'd be impossible to recognize all the potential without understanding some of the risk. And so while it certainly feels like, maybe not a certainty, but it feels like there is a real chance to accomplish something special in 2020. There's also a little bit of inherent risk that maybe we haven't addressed enough. And aside from injury, I think this is the real enemy for the Magic in 2020. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Everyone loves to talk about the contract year phenomenon. A player entering the final year of his contract plays really good basketball, puts up good numbers so that he can get a huge contract in the offseason. It's perhaps a little bit of a logical fallacy. Who knows if it's actually true, and I'm not going to impugn intent to any player. But it's hard not to notice the coincidence that Nikola Vucevic had a career year entering entering a contract year. And while I think the Magic did right, you know, maybe paid a little bit more than they should have, but did right to re-sign Nikola Vucevic, it is hard, it is not hard to find people who think Vucevic got overpaid. It is not hard to find someone who's willing to comment or willing to say Vucevic tricked the Magic, got his big contract, he's going to go back to what he was, which again, wasn't that bad. Is it, you know, $25 million a year on average? Good? Probably not. But it wasn't bad. So I don't want to talk about kind of the contract year fallacy because I don't think that's necessarily what's going on. I think the Magic got a new coach who clicked with Nikola Vucevic, who clicked with Terrence Ross, who clicked with DJ Augustine, who empowered them in a lot of ways, and they delivered for the team. There is no Magic playoff run without those three guys. And again, I think the Magic, as, as a matter of the team, are still a you know, very interconnected group where you know, everyone kind of plays their role to make it all work. They are a team that is bigger than the sum of their parts. Which is good. I, I think I think that is a good way to play. But yes, that that does create a little bit of a margin for error. If one guy isn't pulling his weight, if there's an in, if there's a serious injury and someone can't pick up the slack, then things can you know collapse pretty quickly. And, and I do think that that is still still a concern for this Magic team. There is no, so to speak, st- straw that stirs the drink. Nikola Vucevic is the best bet at that, and you can kind of see where that took you in the playoffs. What the real enemy for the Magic is, as far as predicting what they will do, the real enemy is the return to the mean. Nikola Vucevic had a career year. 20 points per game. Nearly 13 rebounds per game. You know, nearly four assists per game. His best defensive, you know, whatever metric you use, his best defensive year 
of his of his career, and, and I could say, say that just by watching him play. Whenever you you should, I mean, whenever someone says something is the best, or someone had the best whatever, you should be a little bit suspicious. And usually, that's kind of said in, in terms of, of politics, but but we'll use it in this this instance too, as far as a predictive method. When someone has their best season ever, the best season of their career, you have to somewhat pause and think, okay, what were the factors to, to contribute to this, number one? But number two, can they do it again? When a player is you know, 21, 22, 23, 24, there's always the assumption that they're on a growth curve. That they're, they're heading up the hill and yes, they can do it again. They can get better. You know, we look at Aaron Gordon who to some people had a down year in, in 2019. I, I still think those people are crazy. They didn't watch games. I don't think Gordon's going to have a problem getting better. I think he will have a better season. But Nikola Vucevic, at age 28, this was his age 28 season, he is in his prime. He is playing the best basketball of his career. And so the question for him is legitimate. Can he do it again? Can he play at the same level? I think he can because he's a guy that puts in his work, obviously, and, and does all that. But he is at the point of his career where things sort of level off. And if this is as good as he gets, that's fine if he can do it again. 538 has the Carmelo metric, which I think rightfully gets some criticism. It's it's a it's a, a statistic it's it's a, a, a statistical model and a measurement that you know uses a lot of kind of similar scores to make predictions. And you know I think while the, the chart is really helpful and a really good graphic, it, it is a little misleading because it's the gray box that really matters. If you go on the on 538 and, and look at the Carmelo ratings, it's the gray box that matters not the kind of midpoint. It kind of predicts a most likely outcome, but it's the gray box of the range of outcomes that really tells you something about things. And if you look at Nikola Vucevic on the Carmelo, on the Carmelo rating site, you see him kind of muddling along in the, one, in the high ones as far as wins above replacement. Again, probably a, a little bit of a factor of being on a bad team. And then all of a sudden he shoots up to four last year. He had a very good year. Very, very good year. Predictably then, this predictive model drops him back down to two. Kind of the middle average between the two. And that's not overly surprising. I think that there is a real possibility that Vucevic regresses to his mean a little bit. Now, I'm one to tell you that Vucevic's mean isn't all bad. He's a double-double machine. He's a reliable scorer. He's a reliable rebounder. His defense is the biggest concern of, of him dropping down to his mean. But, you know, we know that Steve that his he responded well to Steve Clifford's coaching. I think he will still be better than what we've seen in previous years. He may not be as good as he was last year. He may not be playing at the all-star level that he played at last year. But he will still be better than what he was under Frank Vogel or Jacques Vaughn or James Borrego or even Scott Skiles. 
Steve Clifford has kind of brought... I think Steve Clifford puts him in a position where he can really succeed. But even having Vucevic drop to his mean means someone else has to come in and fill that gap. And I think the caution or or, or the warning signs, if, if they are, blaring are that the Magic had three players that really had career seasons. Terrence Ross played the most consistent basketball of his career. If there was anything that dogged Terrence Ross throughout his career, it was that you couldn't count on him for anything from game to game. In 2019, Orlando could count on him for most games. He still had some duds along the way. He's still kind of hot or cold. But for the most part, 38% three-point shooter. His best three-point shooting percentage since his second year in the league. Averaged a career high in points around 15 points per game. The Magic could rely on Terrence Ross for a lot last year. And again, at age 27, he is in his prime. Is he going to be able to repeat this? In, in, a, in a way that, that he hasn't been able to... He's never been in this level. So we don't know if he can repeat this. Vucevic, I would say, you know, even if he regresses, he's consistent. He's solid. I know what I'm going to get from him. If Ross regresses, the Magic really don't have a way to replace that. They don't have another scorer or shooter like that. I mean, Evan Fournier can kind of do it, but not in the same way Ross can, especially off the bench. And then you get a player like DJ Augustin. He didn't have a career year, but he had one of his best years. He's increased his scoring average over the last four years, and he's the oldest player on the Magic, 31 years old. His health is a big part of his success, and he does a great job getting himself ready for the season. If he regresses to the mean, if he regresses to his mean, you know, then the Magic's weakness at point guard looks a little more glaring. It's these, this isn't to say that they will. You know, Vucevic could get a little bit better or keep his level. Ross could, could get a little bit better or keep his level. But I think we can all agree that they are, you know, on the flat surface, you know, the prime of their careers. They're starting to come down that hill a little bit. And so what's going to be really important for the Magic is if those players, you know, I'm not expecting a steep drop for any of them. I think that they will still contribute at a high level. But if they're not contributing at the level that they were last year, someone has to come in and replace that a little bit. And that's where you expect the growth of Muhammad Bamba. That's where you expect the growth of Jonathan Isaac and Aaron Gordon. That's where you expect, you know, Evan Fournier. You know, we talk about going off your mean. That's where we talk about Evan Fournier progressing to his mean. And that's, you know, honestly, where we talk about Markel Fultz. And if he can provide the magic anything, he can help kind of buffer this potential, you know, potential regression. It's not to say this will happen. It's not to say that Orlando can't cover cover this potential, you know, pitfall. But it is something that has to be accounted for. Because as much as it looks like the Magic are on their path to success, which, again, I think they are. I think that, I think that, that they, they can do all this. As much as the Magic look like they're on their path to success, there's still the chance 
that they falter a little bit, that they find this roadblock and they have to find a way to get around it or get over it. It's going to take again, like it did last year, everyone playing their role and the pieces coming together and fitting perfectly. Because, say, Nikola Vucevic is back to what he was beforehand. He's not a 20-13-4 and four guy. He's a you know, 15, 16, 17, 11, and 3 guy. And his defense takes a step back. Someone's going to have to step up and replace that production, replace that intensity. Or else the season could fall apart. That this team will not live up to its expectations, will not live up to its potential. And everyone has to do their part to get there. These are just kind of a check engine light. Maybe not something you need to worry about quite yet, but something you need to be aware of, something you need to keep an eye out for. It's probably not going to destroy the car. It's probably not going to derail the road trip. But it is something you have to keep an eye on as we get down on this journey through the regular season. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I want to thank you all again for listening to today's episode of Locked On Magic. Of course, find me on Twitter at philipr_omd. underscore omd. Find the podcast on Twitter at Locked On Magic. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, Himalaya, the Google Play app, and all the fun places to download podcasts to your podcast-enabled listening device. Again, you can find me on Twitter at philiprr underscore omd. And of course, for the latest on the Orlando Magic, be sure to check out orlandomagicdaily.com. Don't forget to vote in our daily poll. We're searching for the most underappreciated player in Magic history. We're continuing our fan polling. It's going to help inform our final list. Um, been some interesting results so far. I want to know what you think about it. So definitely leave a comment along with your vote as we continue our, our daily polling. The winner of each poll is progressing to the next day of polling. So... Definitely, definitely, definitely participate in that every day at Daily on Twitter. But that's going to do it for me today, though. I want to thank you all again for listening to today's episode of Locked on Magic. For Orlando Magic Daily and Locked on Magic, this has been Philip Rossman-Reich. I'll see you all again next time for another episode of Locked on Magic. You are Locked on Magic, your daily Orlando Magic podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.